Okay, we're just talking about that study on cameras being effective in slowing down speeders in the city. And next to another study, this one that has looked into the effectiveness of Canada's COVID alert app. Derek Roos is with the Department of Computer Science at McGill University and joins us now for more on this here on Global News Radio. Derek, good afternoon. Appreciate your time. Good afternoon. Thanks so much for having me. All right. You and your team uh, looked at the uh, data. Uh, essentially, uh, what did you find? How effective has been has the COVID alert app been? Well, there, there's really two different stories that emerge from the analysis that we did. Um, the first, and, and to me the most important, is that when and where the COVID app uh, alert app was uh, widely adopted, uh, we saw that it had significant impacts on the number of infections and the number of deaths. Um, and we saw that in a couple provinces. Um, but the other story that emerges out of this is that because it wasn't widely adopted in the most populous provinces, um, its national impact uh, was limited. Um, and so I think that the, the big story that comes out of this is that it has the potential to be a very valuable tool, um, but it had a muted impact when we look at the numbers as a whole. Okay, so if the problem is not with the app itself, that it, it indeed did save lives, then why is it that uh, people were so hesitant, do we know, to use it or download it in certain locations? Well, I think there's there's a number of, of aspects to that. Um, and, uh, you know, I think that that's something that, that uh, we need to be doing a lot more work on. The, the, the mandate for our study was really to understand the impact that it did have. Um, and uh, And what we know is that there are really two dimensions that impact uh, that that are rolled into adoption. One is citizens using it, choosing to download it, um, choosing to um, uh, report uh, a positive test. Um, but there's another part of it, which is what the, the part that governments and, and uh, health uh, the, the, the health system has to play, and that is, um, of course, publicizing the app, making sure that citizens know that it's available. Um, but also on a positive test, making sure that um, the person who's gotten a positive test has easy access to that code that they have to enter. Um, and we've, we definitely uh, saw some indication that both of these issues were at play, uh, the number of citizens that were downloading and installing the app, but also how easy it was to get access to those, those codes to report a positive diagnosis and, and basically to, to report um, uh, to an, an exposure to your network. All right. I know this is not uh, necessarily your purview and what you uh, looked into, but I remember doing stories about it at the time when the app first uh, debuted. And uh, it seems like it was a, a little cumbersome. The uh, rollout wasn't as smooth as it could have been. And there were also a number of privacy uh, concerns as well. We heard from people worried about uh, where that data was going, where it would be stored or, or kept. But are those the sort of things that uh, maybe officials need to look at, do you think, in order to uh, improve this app moving forward? Well, I think that privacy is an absolutely important uh, issue here, and I think that it's something that needs to be very, very carefully considered. What I can say, I was a member of the COVID Alert Advisory Committee, and so I actually was a member of the, the group of scientists and professionals who actually oversaw um, some of the rollout, or at least closely observed it. Um, and what I can say is that privacy was very carefully attended to. Um, the, the code base, the actual software um, that runs both on the server and on the phones, it's all open source, which means that anyone, any developer, any, anybody who wants to look at it can go see it. 
Um, and the Canadian uh, officials and, uh, uh, and those who were developing it were very mindful um, to really, really not collect uh, any personally identifiable data. So it, as a matter of fact, it is very privacy respecting. Now, of course, there's there's the challenge of how to communicate that in a way that ensures that citizens are, are comfortable with it and, and aware that that's been taken into account. Um, and I think that that is something that remains a challenge for, uh, for governments uh, now and moving forward. Um, but uh, the, the COVID alert app, as it was actually developed, um, absolutely respected those privacy ex- uh, expectations and needs. Okay, some of the numbers in the report uh, looked at the number of downloads in different countries. Uh, in Canada, during uh, July 2020 through to July of 2021, there were roughly 6.5 million downloads. Uh, that compares to 38% uh, downloading it uh, in uh, France and 60% in uh, New Zealand. So uh, clearly we've got uh, some ways to go when it comes to uh, Canadians using this app. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, internationally, uh, the the COVID alert adoption levels and impact levels they didn't measure up to some that we saw in certain other countries. Although I think it's important to add a caveat there, which is that uh, the numbers there were over 44 apps developed internationally for this, and only only a handful, only six to eight, reported any numbers in terms of impact. So. Uh, we need to be a little forgiving when we compare the numbers to just the select few that chose to um, to publicize it. Uh, there are quite a few others that we simply don't know the impact of, and um, and so I would I'd be reluctant to say the COVID alert uh, rollout um, was uh, you know wasn't effective or or didn't reach at least some level of, uh, of significant impact there. Okay, it's clear that the app is effective when it's uh, used. Do we know just how effective? Can we put a, a number on just how many lives were saved or possibly saved through the use of the COVID, uh, COVID alert app, Derek? Nationwide, we saw that somewhere between 57 and 100 lives were saved um, based upon our, uh, our statistical estimates. So we, we did some modeling as well as data analysis. Um, and that uh, corresponds to uh, around somewhere between 6,000 and, and 11,000 infections averted across the six provinces where COVID alert was most, uh, uh, most extensively adopted. All right. Finally, as we are here now in the fourth wave, uh, just how important, how imperative and how much of a role is the COVID alert app going to play uh, moving forward in helping us kind of stem the tide of the fourth wave? Um, I think that it certainly remains a valuable tool. I think uh, this is very much in the hands of the federal and provincial governments to decide whether they're going to continue to uh, support it and and roll it out. So I'm definitely keenly watching that. Um, I think that it, it what we can see in the study, though, is that properly supported, it very much could have uh, a very important uh, role to play. Um, so uh, we'll we'll just have to watch and see what the government decides to do. But again, hopefully this study is going to help them and help the public think carefully about whether it's a tool that we need to use as we head into this fourth wave. Yeah, and is this tool more critical than ever? Because obviously we're more open than we've uh, been when it comes to uh, restrictions and things like uh, restaurants and indoor dining and malls open uh, once again. So it would just stand to reason that something like the COVID alert app here in the fourth wave would be more crucial, more important than ever. Absolutely. I completely agree. All right, Derek, I really appreciate the time and thanks for breaking this down for us. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much.
Be well. Derek Roos is with the Department of Computer Science at McGill University. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.